You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forms podcast. Uh, I'm John, and um, we have an. Although the World Cup itself has actually started, we are doing another throwback series, um, and we're going back to Italia ninety. And I'm delighted to be joined once again by Chris. How are you doing? I'm enjoying my time throwback. Yeah, uh, we've got to talk about Scotland somehow. So <laughs> yeah, we'll exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, we could have mentioned um, Scotland the other night because there's a few. Um, Current and former Scottish-based players playing in that Australia team the other night, but ah, there was that was uh, they, they played like a Scottish team away from home and all. It was like they, they started all right, but then wasted a whole lot of chances and got pumped with a poor defence. So that was that's a perfect example of how Scotland played in Europe last season. Yeah, um, Australia obviously a team that I'm keeping an eye out for because I've got family over there. But yeah, well out of their depth in the end against the current world champions. Um, and we're joined by a man who um, resonates in this term as much as we do. Um, Scott, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, uh, Italian '90s, my first World Cup memories, uh, first kind of football memories as well, probably. So uh, happy to talk about it. Yeah, I was. Um, it was my first tournament. Um, so happy to try and recall that. Although I just want to throw in a wee stat because also we're talking about um, the current World Cup. How on Tuesday there was um, more goalless draws in that one day than there was the entire twenty eighteen World Cup. So far, there's actually been the same number of goalless draws as there was in Italian ninety four, and there's still games to go. And Italian ninety is obviously known as a very um, low-scoring World Cup because the average was 2.21 goals per game and um, where 115 goals were scored in 52 matches. Not a lot. I think the only kind of thing that will save this World Cup from that is obviously there's more games. Um, yeah. And for the last couple of years, you do get these kind of funny results in like domestic and European football that's followed on to the World Cup, like your 7-0 Spain and your 6-2 England, Iran, um, which you never really got back in Italian 90. Because mm. yeah. people could people could defend, let's let's face it, people could, they could defend. Except Costa Rica. I think, was that the, I think that might be one of the biggest goal, the scoring games was that they're setting down against Czechoslovakia. Uh, <laughs> They could defend in the group stages. Uh, that's... No, I don't think it was into defending, but we'll get to that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just um, we'll get to that. Um, I mean, Italian, I mean, obviously Scotland were there. This was the fifth World Cup in a row we managed to qualify from. I will confess, I don't remember anything about the qualifying campaign apart from the Norway game. Um, and probably even then, the only thing I really remember was McCoy Slob goal. I don't remember Willie Miller... Um, doing his knee and not playing for Scotland again in fact he didn't play much for Aberdeen after that and I don't remember Norway's goal unless I was to go on YouTube and watch it again but um, yeah, I mean we came second in a group with a, a good Yugoslavia team um, who obviously 
had um, Core of the Red Star Belgrade team that won the European Cup the following year and a France team who, okay, they were in a bit of transition, but they still had players like Papin and Cantona and um, guys like that. So it yeah, was a decent achievement. <laughs> and then like Deschamps, obviously, would go on and win the World Cup and would manage France and stuff. And that Yugoslavia team was absolutely superb. I think one of the things that probably impacted on their World Cup was obviously the, the war that was going on or just about to start, you know, the kind of divisions that was that happened in Yugoslavia at the time, because this squad was stunning, as you say, you know, that yeah. team kind of was European class um, so, and you know, though I jump too far ahead, but their game with Argentina was a classic as well, so in terms of how far they pushed them Oh, they shouldn't have beaten them penalties. Because I didn't really, it would have a, as I said, I was, I was six um, in Atari 90. So my uh, memory, I didn't have any memory either of the, the qualifying. So I, I looked it up, and that's the first time I've actually ever probably looked it up and saw that we had France, Yugoslavia, um, Cyprus, and, you know, you see some of the results and you know how we got through as well. It's kind of crazy. Well, I mean, I I didn't realise that. I mean, even back then, you had a mix of groups of four and groups of five. But what the UEFA actually said was, if you're in a group of five, the top two go through, and if you're in a group of four, the three runners up, the two best ones will go through. Yeah. So we were we were in a group of five, so it was always going to be two go through. And what you say, you look at that and. <laughs> We were pot B, would you believe? It was Yugoslavia were pot C and France were pot A. So the fact that we managed to edge out France is an achievement. It's, it doesn't matter that we finished behind the pot C team. We edged out the better team. Exactly, exactly. I mean, um, we, but that was just what Scotland did. Um, you know, we managed um, by hook or by crook to get to World Cup finals. We weren't great at qualifying for the Euros, as we've covered before, but the World Cup obviously had a bigger. Um, you had a better chance um, for a European team because 14 teams made this tournament, but eight teams made the Euros before and after, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, they, they did very well. But um, I mentioned, obviously, um, before we came on um, about some of the pre- um, pre-tournament form. We beat Argentina in a friendly, um, the defending world champions at the time, Stuart McKimmy goal, a goal that got him into the um, the squad, let's be honest. Um we then lose to East Germany. I don't have no recollection of this game. I remember watching highlights um, against the... Uh, Egypt at Pataudry and they were dreadful um, lost the game 3-1 and Chris you were obviously at the, the main Hamden. game at Hamden yes. um, Gary Gillespie is all I'll say about <laughs> that uh, yeah, yeah. My, my very first football match was a Scotland Poland friendly just before Italian 90 and uh, we, did, we, we got off to a decent start with Judas in the opener but aye, the, the equaliser is an absolute shocker if you've never seen it go look it up on YouTube Gary Gillespie manages to chip it over Andy Gorham I don't know I think he was trying to pass it back to him I mean, obviously, this is before the passport rule. That didn't come into the next World Cup, as we spoke about in a previous mm-hmm. uh, throwback. But aye, it's, it's, it's a nice chip. Yeah. And for uh, many young p- um, people who are wondering who Judas is, it isn't Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> <laughs> and, this, and back in 1990 or 89, it was uh, Morris Johnson, who was good for Scotland, but obviously he made the yeah. decision to join Rangers. Yeah. He, <laughs> he, he, like, for anyone who doesn't know, he'd originally agreed to v sign for Celtic. In 1989, <laughs> and then 
stabbed and, in the back yeah. basically and went to sign for Rangers instead and thus it, became what the first they didn't just it wasn't as if it was like a, a private kind of agreement it was no he was parading stadium <laughs> with the strip Celtic strip on yeah uh, so it is quite yeah it became a historic move for Rangers as well because it became the first known Catholic and actively was proud to be Catholic to sign for Rangers for about 70 or 80 years mm-hmm. So he broke down a few barriers. There's no doubt that yeah. it was positive for that. I mean, it took a while to drag some of the people with him. And he, he was very good at qualifying. Mm. He, I mean, he that was, was a, yeah. major, a major part of his qualifying was his goals. Um, and it's kind of surprising because it was him and McCoy's partnership, although he was the one that kind of the main spearhead for the goals. And then we never really saw that in the World Cup until the kind of too late, I would have, I would have suspected. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, that was probably his peak for Scotland with Morris Johnston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we might as well just keep on the theme of Scotland. We'll talk about the memorabilia stuff and all that in a minute, but we might as well keep on the theme of Scotland um, just now. I mean, that opening game, for some bizarre reason, he put Alan McAnally up front. Now, Alan McAnally had moved to by Munich at the time, and if you'd never known, what's your excuse? Yes, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, I think McInnell did well in a friendly against Argentina. I think that was behind what was thinking. But McCoyce and Johnson was the best partnership. I mean, they they obviously um, helped Rangers to the title that season. I think McCoyce only got fourteen goals, um, oh. and, it, I, I, <laughs> and I'm trying to remember was that. As soon as just left, or was it bef- was it as soon as his last full no, season? He no, he never went full in season. Yeah, right. So he was never fully first choice under Sunis. So maybe it was a case of he just went to something. This was before Mark Keatley. So, so yeah, um, he played over thirty games. I just don't know how many starts he got. He scored fourteen goals. I don't know. Listen, it's hard for me because McCoy's my hero, so it's hard for me to even kind of. It's an annoying theme of these. Actually, is that McCoy's did get played in the major tournaments? Because we yeah. moaned about the fact that he never, like, he never really got on in Euro '96. He never took him in '98. It seems to be a common theme in the '90s of not using McCoy. Yeah, when you've got a even even in '96, he was on the field for that penalty. And I know Gary McAllister's a great penalty taker and all the rest of it. But I would always put my money on McCoist in a big, huge game. Do you know how many times? I think McCoist had done it four years earlier as well against the CIS. So yeah, yeah, but that's a different, that's a different kind of kettle of fish. How many times you know more than most did McCoist in the big games? Just yeah, he just had it. You know what I mean? Yeah. One of the big ones I remember McCoist was the League Cup final against Hibs. Against Hibs, yeah, the one that broke his leg, the and he did. I mean, and that was it. Do you know what I mean? It was just like. I mean, that was why he was kind of my hero and stuff like that. So uh, even I started calling him Ali of the Rangers, it's like <laughs> one of the Rovers kind of thing. After that, so it was because uh, I was straight out of comic book that one. But you know, I don't know if, if Roxburgh just thought maybe McInally because he was more of a kind of number ten, a kind of like between midfield and attack. So maybe he was just thinking that you know he would be a wee bit more pragmatic. I don't know. I, I, if always McCoyce would start every day, every game for me, even now he'd probably start and then he'd be pish bad still. Just love him. So it's a hard one. Uh, it's interesting, you know, full circle that he is actually now at World Cups getting recognition just for his co commentary and everybody loves him throughout Britain. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I looked at it and I always found that a bit weird that he never actually started with him until was it the final game they started against Brazil, did they? 
Um, just that up just now. Um, yes, he starts right. at the final game. Came off after uh, seventy nine minutes. And then about full ninety. No, so he, he came on. Was um, for six minutes one of the games? Maybe cost it. six minutes against Sweden, and he had sixteen minutes 16, against Costa Rica. And you're like, that's not that's that's not enough. You know, the, but the trouble is though, like, I know we've not spoken about Costa Rica yet, but <laughs> we got a win against Sweden, so. But that's got a dollar. Was it the wrong decision? <laughs> and we only needed a draw against Brazil. But I, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Yeah, so yeah. I like um, this strap. Let's wait. Like, like, I'm, I'm. Let's get this out of the way. Scotland straps. Italian ninety were brilliant. The first, yes. first strap I had was just Italian ninety Scotland home top, mm-hmm. right? But even the away top, I liked the away top. I don't think I liked mm-hmm. it at the time. I might have grown into that one and recent and, and sort of <laughs> as I've got older and more nostalgic. But that, that, I like yellow Scotland kits, and that was a, that was one of the classics. The home the home strips one of the kind of boss ones I think of as well. I think it's a yeah, is a classic. I'd, I'd have the home strip today. In fact, yeah. John does have the home strip today. <laughs> yeah, the um score draw version which is quite a good version I know it doesn't have the umbro thing but it's right. still neatly done I think um, geez, remember the leisure tops that they had one was like green and purple and the other one was like pink and yellow aye they were no, I, did, I uh, had the, the shell suits mind. was that 92 the shell suits I had the shell suits the shell suits came next aye uh, that's, that's the first one I, I, was it the was it the purple one I think I've got a vague remember memory of the purple one but Mm-hmm. It's uh, very vague. They're all, they're all better. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit to show you right now. Um, so, what I'm showing um, the for uh, for those listening is the um, the purple yes. and green effort. But I, but I think <laughs> why, I've seen why the... have I got up my head that's a referee top? Because <laughs> it's fair, yeah, it looks because I Diodoro brought something similar later on. Yeah, <laughs> and the I've, other one is the yellow then. and pink one. Oh yeah. yeah, I quite like that one. Actually. I seen somebody wear that in the crowd recently. I'm yeah, sure. it's, that one's popular again. You, you, I've seen that. Uh, I've seen the purple and green one. The last time classic shots was in Glasgow. Yeah. Uh, See the um, the pink and yellow one. Um, the single set with pride, which we also opened up this um, podcast with. The the whole lot of them, including Brown and Roxburgh, are wearing this. Um, they were wearing that in the recording in the video. on the front cover. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll be there with the colours, with that song. Surely we could have we should have got qualified for guitar and just done that again, just wore those strips <laughs> and sang that song. And I'd would get kicked a, out. It's <laughs> an uh, underrated song. I quite like Set with Pride. Yeah. <laughs> it's better than certain other versions that um we've had over the years. But that's a debate for another day. Nothing beats um you know, we have a dream from a Scotland point of view. That's ah, just, point of view, that's just the bar. <laughs> do, do we mention the, the really good what song from this tournament? I mentioned a previous throwback. One of the most is a brilliant song. Yeah. John Clark's nah, rap song. is fantastic. Even the video <laughs> where uh, Holly Allen's dad hanging about in the background. I forgot what Keith Allen. Allen's called. Keith, Keith Allen. Allen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now known as Lily Allen's dad. Lily Allen's dad. Yeah. Well done, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I think Keith Allen actually had a wee cameo um, for another song, but it was in Mike Bassett's single manager in 2002. <laughs> <laughs> Did he not, was he not part yeah. of the Vindaloo one as well? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Also part of that, Liz. Jeez, oh. 
Aye, so um, yeah, this Warlock Up obviously had um, gave uh, BBC a bit of an idea for a sitcom because Rab seen this, but was filmed in Genoa. What a yes, bro- yeah. that was a fantastic <laughs> episode as well. <laughs> is that the, is that the one he goes on holiday and is another? There's like a a foreign version that I've seen, isn't it? Ranting the rain. That's a different one. No, that's a different one again. Was Spain or something that one? I was in Spain. They went to the holiday Spain for that one, but no, this one. Um, <laughs> They took some old guy. They took some old guy, and and, and I've seen this. But it says, "I can't take an old crop with me to the World Cup." And wee Burnley says, "How hey, no? Andy Rocks was taking Roy." Well, Roy, he's captain. Nineteen ninety was a classic year because it was also Glasgow City of Culture. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that the Stigwood Festival as well. Eight, eight, that was Scarlet Festival. Yes, yeah. that's, that's that's what my first memories is. The Garden Festival. Oh, yeah, the, I remember the Garden Festival with the, the Coca Cola, the roller coaster. And the, the reason I remember it's 88 is because of the Celtic Centurion badge, which was like a big flower yes. in the garden thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there was some um, there was some windy tower thing as well. Oh, I, I the, the Clydesdale, I think. We're really good at building towers and then getting rid of them thereafter, <laughs> apart from the one that's stuck currently there, which nobody ever gets in. <laughs> I don't think that's been used since uh, the first month it was open. It's been yeah. about 20 years. And the other um, famous one there was a tower in Bella Houston. It was, they put up in 1938 and then took it down a few months later. That's right. And the only real existence of that is a trophy that Celtic's got it in the, um, the cabinet for the Empire Exhibition. Right, we're, we're I still managed to bring it back to football there. So don't <laughs> and, stay, and we're on almost the memorabilia and nostalgia themes. So we might as well stick with it. So, um, Esso Coin Collection. Esso Coin um, Collection and Coca Cola yes. Ball. Coca-Cola we mentioned that's the previous one and all. The Coca Cola Ball is an all time classic merchandise. Aye. Yeah, I bought that a few years. Um, I told you this one before, Chris. We did a throw, one of these throwbacks, um, but I bought one of the. Coca Cola was off eBay in the mid 2000s, um, and all, it was only a fiver. Um, it was nowadays you're like paying over 100 pounds and stuff. Um, and everybody five, had one, right? I know. And within five minutes, it opened, the dog got hold of it, and I was like, Oh, oh well, that's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, it's only like, a fiver. That's what I, I'm not surprised it went for a fiver. I'm more surprised that they're more expensive now because I remember everybody had one, like, literally, everybody I knew had one of those yeah, boys. I, I had one. Um, mm-hmm. Behind me, obviously, the audience can't see. I got a, a chow, so yes. there. Yeah, the, the, the it's like a mascot. <laughs> a mascot. Not the mascot. It's just a classic mascot. It was an opening ceremony at Qatar. Yeah, I know it, BBC didn't show it, but they they brought out old ones. <laughs> they did the, the red button. I've never seen. Because they said, to be fair to BBC and Gary, like I put this out, they'd already arranged um, the WSL fixtures, and the, at this point, the World Cup was all due to start on the Monday. Oh, and then Qatar realised, for some reason, Qatar are playing in the third game. We can't have that. We then need to start it. We'll put it to Sunday. By which time, BBC are already point, committed. Can we get away from this idea that the host has to open it? Can we get it with the holders? I know the holders used to automatically qualify back in these days. The holders always qualify at some point. So it's never happened that they have they qualified. Can we go back to the holders opening it? Because Qatar Ecuador was born as sin. <laughs> I would much rather have seen France open. It. Imagine France Australia had been opening game. That'd have been miles better. Mm-hmm. Did the holders not automatically qualify anymore? No, not that, since two thousand six. That skipped me by. I knew there was talk about it, but I didn't actually come into it. 
I think that's, that's a bit crap, isn't it? Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's been like 20 years. <laughs> right, here's, a, here's, a, here's a quiz question. There's two players in the SL coin collection that did not make the Scotland squad and they were both English based. Who were they? They were both English? No, not both English, both English yeah. based. based. I remember like this was odd at the time and I can't remember who One was a title winner, one was an FA Cup winner. Uh, I was going to say Pat Nevin, but I don't think he won a title, did he? No. 1990, I think, so. Yeah. Arsenal. So, one won the title that season, one won the FA Cup that season. I can't remember who won the FA Cup in 1990. The FA Cup winners from Man United and the league titles winners from Liverpool. Brian McClure, yep. And who's the Liverpool title winner? And don't see Alan Hansen because he's long retired. Steve Nicholl? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think Nicholl missed out through injury. I don't know why Brian McClure wasn't caught. I I just think. Brian McClure was an enigma in a Scotland shirt, let's be honest. But mm-hmm. yeah, me. We also... He played two years later, so it's not as if he was past that, but Aye, but he was always great for my night, but for Scotland, aye. he was awful. Oh, aye. There's been mm-hmm. a few like that, though. There's been a few like that. Oh, Scotland, that he's just hard to replicate form um, yeah. for whatever reason. Some, some are better than others. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, so in the opening game, um, for Scotland, so it was playing in a lovely stadium. Uh, that's the thing about Italian night. There was there was a lot of great stadiums that looked modern at that time, but I think a lot of them have stood the test of time. Um, since um, but we'll come on to that a bit later. But yeah, Scotland opened up against Costa Rica, um, and we were expected to turn up and win. Was that Genoa? Genoa, yeah, yeah. Because so I'm forty and. 2024, and my brother's arranging to take me to a Sampdoria game for basically for that stadium. I beat the San Zero for my stag, and it's just as you say, they've held up to stood up to the test of time. That it's still such an iconic stadium that you know I want to go for a 40th and kind of. We did Genoa as part of the our honeymoon, and it's a fantastic city. I loved it, especially the Trevi Fountain. I never got to see stadium. Yeah. I'd love to do that another time. Want to go back to Genoa just for the stadium? So that's 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 my plan for the fourth. I'm just trying to get away from Costa Rica as quickly as possible. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, um, it was a. It, I think we had a few chances first half. Or I, I'll be honest, I don't really remember much the the game. I, I remember the goal, unfortunately, which is the main thing. That's the other thing about the Rapsi is. But episode Rap Rapsi decides to um, be funny and say "Monte Costa Rica," <laughs> then they they score. I think it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? You just kind of Scotland in their own way for whatever reason. I can never ever understand it because we've never looked good for it. We always look past certain teams and it's mm-hmm. just comes and bites us in the ass. Now, to be fair, it wasn't just us in that group that I think mm. looked past Costa Rica. Yeah, Sweden but, too. <laughs> yeah, so, but I think it's, it's, it is a kind of, you look back on it now, you think that's a chance missed. Mm-hmm. It was their first World Cup, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. My yeah. First so nobody, nobody knew anything, but nobody had ever heard of Costa Rica. Now, obviously, it's like Worn into our minds these days because of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I've mentioned it a few times, but that was great fun going to the 2006 World Cup and seeing Poland beat Costa Rica. It was a completely meaningless <laughs> game by that point because they were both out already. But just, it, it was good for me. Of revenge. Aye, aye. <laughs> like, it was a ghostless exercise for me that day. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think it'll be a while for Scotland next as they, they go to that game. But the Sweden one, um, you know, Stuart McCall's first um, and only goal for Scotland, as he described it deadly from a yard. Um, he tackled it into the net. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I watched it back earlier on the night, actually. It reminds me of the Gary Caldwell goal against France, because he mm. tackled that into the net and all. Yeah. <laughs> tackled it in the net and then a Mo Johnson penalty. Um, and we, we, we've we then got ourselves in a position where a draw would probably have been enough to get us through against Brazil and we're holding our own. They're not causing that much. I, I don't think Brazil were particularly great in this World Cup, to be honest with you, um, when you look back. It's but probably the worst Brazil team I remember mm-hmm. is this one. Yeah, oh, still, still full of good Oh, aye. So, like and you can Romario, Bebeto, Dunga probably peaked the next World Cup. So they were uh, Mazzino, who's uh, Thiago and Rafinha's dad. Um, he was always good when you saw him playing in Spain, uh, Tafarel and stuff like that. So, yeah, you know, to have Romario and Kareka up front at any stage is going to be there, but to hold them for so long and to actually, you know, again, you're, you're thinking if you could have got a result against Costa Rica or just held on for the last six minutes against Brazil, it would have been that. Oh. That's, not the, that's not the Scotland way, unfortunately. Not. Yeah, the last, I think the last 10 minutes, it's the tale of the two goalkeepers because um, Jim Leighton, who went into this team, this uh, campaign in awful form from his. Um, performances from Man United spills a really tame shot for Alamal and Muller scores from it and yep. then how, how much time do, to me every time I watch that I still think it's going to go wide and then a Brazilian just jumps in and gets it Muller who came on the sub for Romano <laughs> yeah Aye. and then Tafarel makes one of the most unbelievable saves I've ever seen from Mo Johnson he just yeah, throws himself and well Gets lucky, um, you can you can say, but you know the fact he throws himself down there, like that puts him in position to make that save. It's just an unbelievable yeah. save, and yeah. And I've always said luck's the kind of best commodity in football. So if you've got it, then that's part of it. But as you say, he's he's made his own luck there in essence by just getting down. But again, if we're late with Scotland, you know, we leave it to the last kind of seconds against probably the best team in the group, and then we just come up that tiny bit short, so as if we were getting out classed for the full game and everything else, we kind of held our own and then just crumbled at the worst possible opportunity. So, I mean, I've ran through it before about the number of ways that Scotland can fail to qualify from a group. Um, with eight, eight World Cups and three Euros now that we've managed to not qualify and every time it's been an amazing way and even the women join in these days because um, <laughs> they had their ridiculous 3-0 lead against Argentina yeah. and this particular World Cup because it was a 2014 World Cup four of the third place teams would get through so we were one of the third place teams and we went out along with Austria who had exactly the same record as we did with one win yeah. two defeats two goals for and three against had we got a draw that day even if it had been nil-nil we would have finished with a zero goal difference in three points, and that would have been not enough to finish joint third with the Netherlands. We'd yeah. have been ahead of Uruguay, and we'd have went through. Yeah, because um, there was um, a couple of games that we still could have, um, at worst, been in a drawn lot situation with Austria. Yeah. One was Uruguay, got a 92nd minute winner against South Korea through Daniel Fonseca. The other one was, was we needed a win for either Ireland 
or Holland the Netherlands, yeah. the Netherlands sorry and, and I, I had no idea what drawing lots <laughs> meant I still to this day don't know what drawing lots is but mm-hmm. I remember thinking that we were going to get that if we came to that point that us or Austria could qualify and ultimately what actually happened was it was Ireland and the Netherlands that had to draw lots because they finished completely level and yeah. that made such a difference for the second round was Did Ireland get Romania? Just... Was it not the draw? Was it not? I don't know. I've honestly no idea what drawing lots means. And you get it. I always assumed that it was that, but yeah, it was. I remember at the time, not the time, but looking back, you know, because obviously I always delve back into Italian 90 and uh, just remembering that story of the the Netherlands and Republic of Ireland drawing lots to see who would actually get the better. The better. Nowadays you would go down to like yellow cards and stuff. Aye, yeah, because yeah, that put Senegal out the last World Cup and Japan yeah. gets there. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, so like I said, that made that because that Ireland beat the Netherlands on lots. Ireland gets through to play Romania in the second round, and the Netherlands got West Germany, which ended up being one of the big games in the tournament. Yeah, I know. See, before we even come on to that, um, the other thing I, I remember from the Brazil Scotland game. But I don't know if a certain player will remember. Martin McClure getting knocked out by Branko's free kick. Yeah. Aye, there's no way he remembers that. No, I, and I don't blame him in the slightest. Uh, I've seen quite a few Branko. I mean, Branko is the Roberto Carlos of his time. That is sub-lipping. That boy had to, He's just... If you get hit, you're going to get stayed down. That is some effort. My daughter took to his scooping that night. Yeah, it certainly was. But, um, yeah, Scotland's... Um, the glorious failure tale um, had a new chapter. Um, in terms of the rest of that World Cup, I mean, we haven't even talked about the opening game yet because this is obviously a standout. Nine-man Cameroon, who were in their second tournament, beating Argentina. Um, and one of the funniest tackles I have ever seen, Benjamin Massing, who I didn't actually realise passed away five years ago. Um, but... <laughs> It was. Um, it's just funny that the the, the challenge because Kenija hurdles a couple and he's almost like stumbling, falling, and still gets to the ball first. And Massing just wipes him it and his boot falls off. Uh, Referee waits for him to put his boot back on, then sends him off. <laughs> but it, a couple of those other ones could have probably been red cards in today's mm-hmm. game. And Kenija, as you say, somehow keeps his face like a bit like Bambi or Ace. And uh, it's just whoosh. There's no chance of you're getting past me, son. And that was him, but he was just absolutely vaulted into the air. That's one of the yeah. things I remember for this World Cup is just how often Kinesia looks like Bambi on ice. <laughs> You're right. He just seems to stumble his way through. Sometimes it's because he's like the Cameroonians are trying to break his leg. And other times he's just stumbling his way through like defenders that are, like, yeah. aren't trying to break his leg. And I think even even when he, he arrived at Rangers, he was at 37 hours, I think he was, his legs were like too fast yeah. for his brain sometimes. <laughs> he would just be away. He would just be just stop it and try and catch up himself. It was, uh, he'd, he'd had that for a very, very good dribbler and everything else. But as you oh, say, just, his legs just seemed to be always kind of off balance and skating around. But yeah, that, that tackle, you know, I don't think anybody who watched Italian right forgets that tackle. It's just yeah. one of those things. And for, for Cameron to, to win that game is just outstanding. And the keeper, and I love slagging off keepers, we know that with Jim Layton in the past. Mm-hmm. But he felt it well tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I think I can understand why they played Layton ahead of 
Gorham that time, I think, the experience and everything else. I know he, he had that kind of spell at Manchester United, but you don't know how that's going to affect him straight after the World Cup. So you're going to play him. That's the, the, and it, apart from that kind of spell against Brazil, there's no real kind of thing. These things happen. But the Argentinian goalkeeper, that was just, he basically threw the ball into the net with that header against Cameroon. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just you're better off not having a keeper, I think. Very popular. Do you not get injured? He got injured the next game against... Uh, uh, broke his leg in two places or something. Aye. That's and then um, to the final. Aye. Got a better keeper out here. <laughs> yeah. Aye. Sergio Gauche was the main reason they got to that final. Um, Argentina were horrendous to watch in that tournament. They just tried, They just kicked their way through at the final. And, well, obviously it works, as we'll touch on a wee bit later, but they were horrible to watch. One of the worst sides I've seen reach a World Cup final was that particular Argentina team. I mean, Diego Maradona showed yeah, one moment of class in the whole tournament, and that was that run that led to Canadians win against Brazil. Yeah. Who would have thought then, when um, Canadians scored that goal, that 10 years later he'd be scoring at Dens Park against uh, Mullo? <laughs> <laughs> or he'd uh, shop in the... Little Springburn would be his favourite shopping hunt. So, you know, it all changes. You know? uh... I, heard, I heard another well-known name when I was watching the ITV World Cup uh, review, and that was the one of Maravchik, who I forgot entirely had played for Czechoslovakia in this World Cup. Mm-hmm. Did he not get sent off against West Germany? <sighs> if he did, it never get mentioned, but uh, it's possible. <laughs> Fun, funny that, eh? <laughs> it was He was doing something positive. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I... The only thing that I really remember the Czechs for, um, I don't know, they, they, they went far um, and they beat uh, Costa Rica, but it was Baggio's goal against them. Mm-hmm. That was like my favourite goal of all time, still to this day, just to, to take it the way they did, to, to the confidence and everything else. So much so that I've got a Italian lady Italy strip with 15 nice. bags that Baggio had on. Um, but that was just exquisite, you know, these. The way he controlled the ball, we talked about Kirija like dancing on ice when he was dribbling, but this was just like a gazelle just floating above everybody else, just kind of striding along. It was sensational. So that's that kind of biggest memory of Czechoslovakia was just conceding that superb goal. Yeah, because I think Baggio that that summer had went for a world record um, to Juventus from uh, where was it? Fiorentina was it? Fiorentina, yeah, that was yeah. a huge. So I mean. Unless you you were lucky enough to see the occasional European game, you didn't really know who these players were. It's not like nowadays you can just Google them on YouTube and stuff, but back then you would have only yeah. seen them in the occasional European match. Yeah, I mean, one, is, one of the you... things came out of this tournament was we kind of this was the kind of start of oh Italian football is quite entertaining. Mm-hmm. Can we and then we got Italia uh, on Channel Four? Channel Four, think. yeah. That, that was, was, about that was just uh, just after this tournament. So that's the kind of thing you started seeing them. Uh, that was the difference between Italia 98 and USA 94, yeah. was that you did have more kind of, the Champions League had just started um, in 92, 93, so you saw that, and then uh, ITV plus, you also had, you know, Italia, uh, Football Italia on Channel 4, so you'd see all these great players playing there. Whereas before that, you would have had, you know, that, and that, I always loved World Cups because of that, you know, for the mm-hmm. first kind of three World Cups I remember. So from 1998, there was always surprise packages that I just had never seen before. They would usually be kind of uh, South American, uh, I remember like Salas and uh, Chile and Hernandez in Mexico, Nakata in Japan and things like that. You know, and it's you just didn't know beforehand. You know, I mean, you'd probably maybe see their name a few times in 
uh, World Soccer Magazine, but that was about it. You'd never see them properly. Um, but now the internet's in a way yeah. kind of ruined that. It's kind of you've not got those surprises anymore. It was the same with us in Costa Rica. We underestimated Costa Rica because we didn't know anything about them. The chances of you now underestimating somebody because you don't know anything about them. Yeah. Back then, it's, it was hard to learn things about people. Mm-hmm. Now, you're just it's your own ignorance that's causing the problem. Well, and I would time, say most people don't fall for it, but then I watched Belgium and uh, Canada last night, and it was like Canada was a surprise package, despite the fact they topped that group in CONCACAF. The, thing <laughs> the is Belgium that- are rubbish. Like, that was the worst I've seen Belgium ever play, especially De Bruyne. But Canada, I, I knew Canada were going to go into this yeah. tournament and were going to probably cause a few uh, problems. Whether they had enough to get out of the group or not, it's, it, it depends on how they'd play in the day. And they were probably... I think many people in my Twitter timeline last night said that they played exactly like Celtic played the Champions League. Like, you go, you go, this looks great, but you're going to blow it because you're not taking your chances and you get caught in the back. And it's exactly what happened. Well, talk about being caught in the back and bringing it back to people who you didn't know. It's like Rene Higuita at Columbia. Do you know what I mean? It's like you never leave us. You know, everybody knows about a sweeper keeper and everything nowadays. He, he, he was a, a visionary. Oh, exactly. You, you know, he was doing that sort of thing badly sometimes, obviously. Yeah, because um, I, I ultimately did cost confidence. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that was the, those kind of, you know, Roger Miller as well. You know, you'd never have heard, you know, he played in France for a while, but you just didn't know that because you didn't have the internet, you didn't have yeah. these the tools to, to actually research it. And then yeah. you're watching the World Cup and you're falling in no. love with these, these everyone, players everyone. you've never seen. Yeah, everyone did the Miller celebration in school oh, after yeah. the playgrounds. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if people who were our age now and then would have tried that in nightclubs. <laughs> yeah. I think you're probably Aye. right. Yeah, I, I think when I, I, you were on a playground, you were either scoring goals at Scalacci, a name you never heard of before or since. Yeah. <laughs> or you were Roger Miller doing the dancing. Well, Toto Scalacci, if you, I don't know if you've seen the kind of recent documentaries and stuff like that. He looks younger now. That he did in 1990. Really? He's, he's got a full head of hair, which is probably a transplant. Dark and all the rest of it. But he's, 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 so he went to Japan after the World Cup and then quit football. And then he was a soap actor in Italy. A soap actor? <laughs> what was he in Itali- uh, uh, Italy's Italy? Italy's name of a coronation street or something. Eh? Yeah. Driver City. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just Venice, isn't it? Me. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there was a few players in that tournament who were almost when I wouldn't. Oh, well, Scalacci is the one hit wonder. Miller then scores in the next World Cup at 42 after being the oldest yeah. scorer 38, to be fair. Um, Goykeche apparently did well for Argentina for a while and then they dropped him for USA 94 because the keeper did in USA 94 was crap. But as we said before, Goykeche was the main reason Italy, so Argentina, got to that final. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, yeah, I, I think I think with Miller as well, it was just that Cameron had probably never really had they qualified before. I think that was a eighty two. Cameron were an eighty two. Cameron went out and goal scored in eighty two. So I think if you look at you know the fact they were at, at eighty six, they'd have probably been there as well. Do you know what I mean? It was in the French leagues. Um, so uh, I think Scalacci's best season came that season before the World Cup and that's just sometimes just what you need and he yeah. wasn't meant listen even even when he was back in the squad he wasn't meant to play you had mm-hmm. people like Viali and all that ahead of him 
It's just that he came off the bench, scored that goal, and then just kept on replicating it. That was it. Yeah. He just had the luck of the lucky it's touch. Hard. I know it's incredible that he was he was playing at at least Serie B, you know, and it wasn't Italy weren't the only ones who were doing this because England called up Steve Bill. Ahead, Alan Smith. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he was scoring goals in the England, what was then the English second division, it's now known the championship, obviously. And you wouldn't th- see England and Italy picking players from Serie B in um, the championship these days. Well, was, was Scalic, you know, is it Juventus that season? Or? No, a couple it, of years later, I think it was. was I think it he got moved to Juventus a year or two later. Was it but due, it due to that? Out. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it is. But it, I think. Football was just a lot closer then. Do you know what I mean? I don't think there was much difference. You know, I think Premier Leagues and Serie's monies and stuff like that yeah. since took over and made it a lot harder for teams when they came up. But it's probably then it was just a kind of all kind of not much in it. It's just, um, so you're probably thinking, well, but I'll take a striker who's on form, and if he happens to be in the league below scoring goals, then that's fine. Hmm. What would you think? Because going back the thing that I was thinking of, oh, well, you know, players that we didn't really know too much about and all the rest of it, but there was players that obviously you did for whatever reason, like your Van Bastens, Klinsmans, Mateus and stuff like that. You just, and it's obviously that's how good footballers they were, that it did actually just travel across the, the water and you would hear about them and you would see them and different things like that. It, yeah. It's I mean, funny how you still had that, you still had that kind of, vibe about certain players that you just could never yeah. get away from. I mean, I, I don't remember Euro 88, but even I, I knew the names of like Van Basten, Hullet and Frank Rijkaard and then those Klinsmann and Fowler and Matthias and then obviously Maradona from the previous World Cup as well was at this one, so that's a name you know as well. So yeah, there was names you knew, but you're right, it was, wasn't completely in a, a void for us. But, I mean, yeah, I've been it. talking about Euro 88, I mean, that what like, this was Ireland was kind of my main memory for this World Cup. Obviously, it was in Scotland because um, like, I know the group wasn't great with like England and just like everybody drew with everybody else apart from England beat Egypt and that was the difference right. the top and bottom. Um, but then Ireland obviously got through against uh, to play Romania, beat them in penalties to get through the quarter final, and then lost narrowly in Rome to Italy. Um, so they had quite they had they had such a great ride that they became a, a start that they went there. Back then, they were the furthest team, the furthest the team had got in the World Cup without actually winning a game, because they drew in the the group. They won in penalties to get through to the quarter final, and the last team that had got to the quarter final prior to that that hadn't won a game yet was Sweden in 1938, and even Sweden won their quarter final to get to the semi. So <laughs> Ireland were the furthest without winning a game. Um, but it's, it's, I mean, that was Ireland's first World Cup. They were coming off the back of. Euro 88 as well, which is qualified for, and obviously they beat England in, in that uh, tournament. So they were. This was a decent Ireland team that shocked. Them. I mean, it was probably Packy Bonner's best moment ever with the penalty save against Romania, yeah, and then David O'Leary took the penalty to win it. So, but it's, and the most bizarre move, move ever. But it's just, I think it's it's a kind of time where. You've just got the right manager at the right time. It's just yeah, Jackie Chapman was on legend. You know I mean? And it's yeah. just you know you you hear Roy Keane today talk about Jack Chapman, yeah. and he still praises him to he's mm-hmm. he's maybe not the like, tactician that you've got like Pep Guardiola's and all the rest of it now, but he knew how to get squad harmony and he knew how to get players yeah. to play a hundred percent for him. And you know, and it's just 
that kind of Midas touch that Ireland needed. And, yeah. you know, it's still, they might not have won against Romania in the kind of um, 90 minute sense, but to, to that result is just famous and it's just, uh, you know, that'll always be the celebrations. It's just craziness. Yeah. is not exactly a, a small thing to do. But even in the group, I mean, they drew with England. They came up behind to do it. They drew with the Netherlands. And, like, they said, the Netherlands were the reigning European champions at the time. Yeah. So that's not a bad result. I mean, all right, yeah. nothing each against Egypt doesn't especially great, but nobody was winning yeah. games in that group. What we said, well, was that like England narrowly beat them. <laughs> I, I mean, let's be honest, Jack Chant was the one that put Ireland on the football map. Um, yeah. You know, they, I mean, they'd, be, they'd been around in. Um, but they didn't qualify for tournaments until he came along and he raised um, the bar um, so much. Yeah. Yes, um, they had to go through different routes. Like, the story I love is that Andy Townsend was in um, in Germany supporting England against Ireland in 88. Two years later, he's playing against them for Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they also had to go through certain um, tracks. They also took Ray Houghton in Scotland and they won them. Um, yeah, and look at that one from because he scored in, in Euro eight and he scored the World Cup ninety four and crucial winnings. Yeah, oh, John Aldridge was another one. No, he was a yeah. fire at Liverpool, but England won. They wanted to take him, and he the went back. The best one for me is Tony Cascarino because he had no Irish blood in him whatsoever. <laughs> he had no football blood in him anywhere. At least when he was at Celtic. <laughs> I don't know. Is that how he got his Irish call up? Because he played for Celtic. Is that all you need? No, I, <laughs> a couple of years later, he moved to Celtic, but. He was not a success. success. No, it was, no, but it's just that he, he had no grandparents in it. Turns out he just had no Irish blood in the water. Point Ireland on a map. <laughs> Aye, good off. Was I was he like Cascarino? I must be. Let me check. It's fine. Aye, it's like the stereotypical joke you get in Scotland with um, the granny ate shortbreads um, in Stornoway and in Ireland it's like you drank a pint of Guinness in Galway. <laughs> <laughs> it's that kind of stereotype I think happened. But yeah, Ireland... Uh, they had, they had, um, they certainly had a, a good run at it. Um, I'm, I'm really jealous of Ireland actually because like, Ireland are like the anti Scotland. Every time they get to a World Cup, they do get out of the group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, in- England. Um, they obviously got to semi final. I mean, they keep talking about the um, the tears of Turin, and they played well in that semi final. They were a wee bit unlucky not to get through to the final. Let's let's be honest. It was West Germany's worst performance in the tournament. But Honestly, the, the, like the only luck plays a big part in this tournament because like that goal that West Germany scored in that semi final was ridiculously <laughs> lucky. Nine times out of ten, that lands in the roof of the net. Yeah. That's but one then, time it dips over the keeper. But what, what, what England failed to always remember is them getting through Cameroon wasn't the kind of. I've yeah, seen say that. they were so, very lucky so, against so Cameroon. They were lucky with that I, one. Somebody else could have twice, Twitter. let's be honest. Yes. They weren't penalties. At least he didn't shut himself in that one, to be fair. Uh, that was nothing good. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, having said, I mean, like, as much as the England, Ireland, Netherlands, Egypt group was just a game of draws. England's tournament actually got exciting after that because they were just about to go to penalties with Belgium in the second round and then there's that terrific goal for yeah, well, that, is, that is an that's, amazing goal. That's a cracking yeah. goal. I mean, to even try that is ridiculous and then score it in the last minute extra time. What I it's love about that goal... Italy in the back of it. But what yeah. I love about that goal is Gaza takes the assist. Like, every yes. time you see Gaza talk around and say, oh, listen, I just I mean, I put it in there. I was like, David Platt made that fucking goal. Do you know what I mean? Oh, no, I... You know, you're not mm-hmm. that ball... No. It's a decent ball into the box, but it's nothing special. It's they, they put him yeah. a platform. Having, 
it, it had to turn and swivel, and it was like always bombastic-esque. That was a, cl- you know, I mean, it was England, but it was a classic goal that yeah. again just kind of opens your eyes when you saw it. But they were looking as though they were going out against Cameron. I mean, Cameron had them on the ropes, and Peter Shelton, you saw that down. image of him looking yeah. at God say, "My God, we are on the verge here again." It. <laughs> again, see if you watch. See if you watch the ITV review of it. See the commentary of it. It's like, oh, they're being embarrassed by Cameron. It's like, no, Cameron are a good team. Surely you know this by now. This is, <laughs> this, this is the kind of thing that why we don't like England and why we don't want them to win because it's that kind of commentary, that kind of arrogance that annoys yeah. a hell out of us. Chris, and me watching that, I'm thinking, they're not even that bad these days. Maybe I'm just a bit too harsh on England now. But, but Chris, the, the scouts told the players the exact same thing. Garrett Lucas said yeah. that. He said the scout came out easiest game of the, the tournament. Easiest game of the tournament. You went, what have you it's watched? a quarter-final. What have they've you already beat the reigning the, champions with nine men. They've beaten Colombia. They've beaten Argentina. Beaten Romania. They've, <laughs> they've got. They've clearly got something about them. You know. don't even worry about it. And it's that kind of. But how does that not affect England like it does us? I know. But that, they still, they, they they still got their win. Well, to be fair, they did get two dodgy penalties. Exactly. Mm. I mean, they used to beat. I mean, we always get dodgy penalties against us. They'll get it for them. Yeah, yeah. Look at the English, eh? Um, it's. I mean, Scott, you mentioned earlier the Argentina Yugoslavia game. I mean, that U- Yugoslavia team, um, the players they had, um, were, were unlucky not to win this game. And it's a uh, Dragon Sojkovic hits the bar by penalty. Baradona's penalty is dreadful in this. But oh, then Goyka chases the ones bailing because Argentina missed two penalties at this point. You think that Yugoslavia's point to win, but. Goyke chair comes up with two marvellous saves and yeah, that was a that was a rotten game of football, I thought. Well the thing is, um one of these kind of documentaries, you always and I said this on Twitter, I don't need another Italian 90 documentary because it's the one World Cup that they always seem to just wear and I love it. I absolutely I, I devour most of them, but I agree with it. But there was one this year that I saw and it was the first time that it talked about the Yugoslav uh, the Yugoslavian team. And uh, it was Stoikovic who talked about two players pulled out because they were getting threatened at the back home that if they played, then there would be repercussions for their family and stuff like that. So there was things happening at that time because of the divisions in Yugoslavia that you know would have affected the players. So it's the first time I've heard that story. But you then think about it, you think, well, you probably aren't going to be fully focused and yeah. on top of things because... And they were probably still the better team, though. You know, they were, I think oh, yeah. they were the better team over Argentina in that game. And I think that was a common thing about Argentina in this tournament because, yeah. like, they, they were lucky to get out of the group in the first place. They then got Brazil, were battered by Brazil. There was one move Brazil hit the post twice in like a minute, mm-hmm. and it just the ball was not going in there. And then obviously the Tunisia winner at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end, they got them through. And then, like you say, Yugoslavia were the better team. They'd missed two penalties in the shootout and still managed to get through it. And it's just, I mean, even even the semi final against Italy, yeah. it's not really the best equaliser in the world. It's like the keepers. I saying gives me these biggest mistakes in the tournament. I, I, that was that cost ultimately cost them the the place in the final because well, I think the biggest mistake of the tournament for Italy was hosting it in Naples. Aye, because that kind of changed everything. Because obviously Maradona was god in Naples. And you had a lot of fans that actually supported Argentina just to support Maradona. 
and it just created enough attention. You didn't. It was a weird atmosphere. I, th- I, th- I think to be fair, they wouldn't have um, planned for it because Argentina were third in their group, and had they won their group, they would have been the other side of the draw. Of yeah. course, yeah, but it still just don't have it all in Naples, and just have a quarter final in Naples, and. I don't yeah. know, have it, it was the one time that Italy moved from Rome, to be fair, because they'd been in Rome all through the tournament, yeah, which was yeah. a bit because yeah, also then to keep it there. Yeah, there's only one team in the World Cup history that ever plays their, all their games at the same stadium. <laughs> and we know which team that is. <laughs> What's the 66, was it? It might well be, Because <laughs> even in a multi... Um, Mason Giros they still found all but one game in Wembley they, 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 went, they went to Rome and they won round it didn't have a game at Wembley aye, and they should have been in Dublin for the next round but obviously Dublin get taken away because they yeah. couldn't guarantee um, crowds at that point God, well, get, get excited about England Euro 2028 20, then eh? that's going to be oh, yeah, we're in, England and a couple other stadiums mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah, don't even start man about a five um, host nation. That's just oh, not no, it's, it's, it's about four too many. Thanks very much. Aye. Two max, two Aye. absolute max. Yeah, Aye, and we're going to get a three World Cup next time. Aye, there's the potential yeah. of four for the women's one, which is a sixteen team Euros. Oh, that's Scandinavian <laughs> thing. Aye, that's ridiculous. Like the three for the World Cup when there's forty eight teams in the World Cup. I mean, um, there's a, there's a different argument to be held about. Do you need forty eight mm-hmm. teams? But when you've got 48 spaces is 45 left to qualify for. Uh, okay. But, but, even, but even if we talk about the, the, the next World Cup, the, the 48, of all the countries, America could actually still host it themselves, probably yeah, yeah. quite realistically. Um, yeah, I, I, I that's the thing adding, I don't understand. I don't yeah, mind what? adding one or the other, but both yeah. Canada and Mexico just as So the Scandinavian bid for the women's one makes sense because they're all roughly the same size of country anyway. The, the America distance. plus Mexico and Canada doesn't make any sense because America can yeah. do it themselves. England plus others doesn't make any sense because England can host it themselves. Mm-hmm. Why are we adding teams into these bids? Yeah, yeah, I don't like it. Yeah. Um, in terms of something else that we didn't like, and I'm sure we can all agree, the final of Italian 90 was an awful game of football. Although what I will say is, as dirty as Argentina were, Monzon, is that a red card? I think there was worse challenges in that game than that one that went unpunished. Yeah, personally. I think you're right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think the... So the Clinton's the the theatrics makes uh, that... I was going to say, do yeah. you think Clinton's made that red card by his, um, his nice dive? Well, he's always been <laughs> yeah. caught, but you know he has then launched himself about 50 feet in the air and <laughs> raised his arms and rolled about and all sorts. Um, but if... It didn't bother me because it was Argentina, but yeah. I remember, what I remember, and I've got vivid memories about that World Cup final, is that during it, and I think it was just after the penalty, I went outside and played Wally because I was so bored by the World Cup final. <laughs> That's what I mean. So I was outside myself kicking a ball rather than um, watching it. So yeah. it was just oh, dreadful. Yeah. The third place match was better to watch. That was a decent game. Yeah, the Italy and um, I know the goals came way on, but it was still a decent game compared to that final. The final was that's the worst World Cup final. In fact, it's one of the worst games of football ever. The one four years later is a better game, even though there's no goal. Yeah, yeah. It's even this is even worse than the 2010 World Cup final, and that was not a good game. No, I didn't like that one either. Yeah, no, I know. I that that's the only one I remember that's come close to being as bad as this one. And again, that was the problem. That was a referee. 
Yeah, because if the referee sends gets an error red card out for that stupid chest high studs and challenge, then that's a different game entirely. Yeah. It's just to show that the best game came in kind of round two between West Germany and Holland. And, well, that was that was equal, that. that that was somehow equally the one of the best games of football in the tournament and one of the most horrendous points <laughs> because of what happened with Richard and Voller. Oh yeah, I don't know how Voller restrained himself. Um, when Ryan was second time, I'm not sure he knew because of the, his term was that voluptuous. I think he knew something was the right because yeah. he turned around the second time and he's like, Something's happened there, yeah. Aye. He, and he can't even know if you, yeah. Aye. 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 He's right, yeah. and runs, Kim. But Voller but just they, kept his cell back to say, Well, no point. And and I think the, two of them, the two of them did a pizza advert or a pizza hut advert or something afterwards. Do you know what I mean? The two came, became pals. It's one of these weird things about football. It's like years later, I pizza hut advert. <laughs> Same way you get a pizza hut advert in this country and it's all I Englishmen su- and penalties. I, I suppose even though they played for rival teams that had played in the same city in the same stadium, so they probably thought, well, well let's just get one. <laughs> yeah. But and the thing is about this World Cup is that I think. People also kind of, because everybody talks about Matthias, Matthias was fantastic. Everybody talks about Klinsmann, Klinsmann's a great striker. But Andres Bremer was a fantastic player. Aye. I think yeah. he gets oh, kind of missed out a bit. And it's just, you know, his composure and you know, free kicks, penalties, whatever, he was just... This was, is, the weird thing about Bremer was, he took his free kicks with his left foot and penalties with his right. That's just how good the man was. Aye. He's given the keeper a chance, isn't he? He's well named at all because he always seemed he's cold and like Bremer in Scotland's always the coldest place. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a it was a wonderful penalty because even though Guy could say guess the right way, it is so perfect in the corner. Yeah, you know, no, we, we always just... reminisce about John Collins' penalty against uh, uh, France and rightly yeah. so. But that was just good. If there are better, some penalties that just are not savable, and that was one of them. Yeah. It's not like it, a bloody Lewandowski if, penalty. If you're getting into the corner, just into that side part of the net, it's just no, there's no stopping them. No. It's a, it's... Yeah. Exactly, but I think there's no question, well, in my mind, that West Germany were the best team in that World Cup, and were West Germany were the West Germany were also the best dressed team in this World yes, Cup. Yes, because see, see, for all I love the Scotland strap. The West Germany one is iconic with that so, flash of the German flag. So I've got a mug that's got all the strips and that. Even today, the West Germany one stands out as being the best. Uh, yeah. I don't even think out. it's a close contest either. No, no it's, it's, it's not. The, the, um, the, I like that, the that's a standard one. The whole I like the nice. Dutch strip and I like the Scotland strip, but that is 100% yeah. the one that stands out. Like the, the West Germany strip. And obviously that's the one because I've got that. But, of course. But the Germany <laughs> strip was uh, just sublime. The, the West Germany strip is so nice. I wanted one and was told no because I would get shot. Well, <laughs> I I got one three months later, but it wasn't the original. It was a fake version that we got in a holiday, in my first holiday abroad in Mallorca from my grand granda. My brother got <laughs> and I had one. Matthias in the back. <laughs> my brother got one, but I didn't. So I don't know what yeah, was happening. I, I did get an AC Milan strip the following year, so that made it. Ah, it's not so bad. AC Milan strip went back yeah. in the late 90s. It was classic as well. Yeah. The German one four years later tried to emulate the idea and it failed miserably. Yeah, it was. Because it was that was kind of diamondy thing. That, no, like, ninety four. You've yeah. tried to capture what you did four years ago. It's like the difficult second album. No, yeah, Disney worked. No. They did. They did something for your ninety two on the sleeves, which was okay, but it was never going to compete with that. You know, no. Um, no. We're in an era where everything's put the goat. Well, that's that's the goat of um, Italian ninety strips. Quite simply, yeah, easily. 
built to strip was quite nice as well. Uh, the this number from there. And then uh, it Enzo Shifu. Uh, what mm. a player he was. He, I, uh, he's I, got an absolute crack of that World Cup as well, an absolute yeah. title driver. That yeah. that England game you mentioned earlier that Belgium played in, um, Belgium were unlucky to hit the post twice in this game. And Sheffield's especially, you know, it's a yeah. wonderful swear of an effort, but unfortunately for him, it's just that little yeah. margin. And we're talking about keepers getting at finals. Keepers that didn't get at finals is Peter Schulten, and I still love that to this day because he never deserved to get to World Cup final. <laughs> Eighty-six or ninety or any other. Yeah, he, oh my he, god! He man, just possessed by Maradona. Yeah, I, I just loves in his head. It's great. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. So, the um, guy's dead now. He still <laughs> says, "Oh, I'll never <laughs> forgive him." Oh, Kai Walker. 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 In it, um, you had what the worst for you. you had a lot of red. I think it's the well at the time it was the tournament with, with the most red cards in it, but yeah, it's still so well remembered and so well talked about. Whereas you compare South Africa in twenty ten, which was an awful World Cup, um, that's, in comparison, that's a difference. It's like there's standout games all through this tournament. Mm-hmm. That you remember this bit and this bit and this bit and this bit. And it tells the story of the tournament. You tell me a game for twenty ten. Oh, <laughs> and I remember the final, and that's about it. I, <laughs> yeah, I, even, that, even the four one with Germany, you go, VR would change that game. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah the final was dread. The final was dreadful um, for all sorts of reasons in that that tournament. But yeah. I think for for us, see, it was our first tour. Well, um, it's the first one I remember because although I was five in Mexico 86, I don't remember a thing about it because I was only five. Whereas this was the time I was starting getting into football. You know, 89, 90 was the year I was starting to get into uh, football. Um, and this obviously capped it off that, that season was the World Cup and began tournament obsession. Yeah, I mean, I was the same. Like, like I mentioned to this earlier, I vaguely remember that signing. More for the fact that Celtic's answer to it was to go sign a couple of Polish guys, and that kind of hooked me because of the Polish connection. And then obviously going to Scotland, Poland in the warm-up game after this, so my memories are round about 89, 90 as well, so I don't remember 86 at all. I definitely remember this, and I obviously remember the week before the Poland game, where um, yeah, you won a cup final. Mm-hmm. Used to I wasn't going to mention it. I'm still not. <laughs> We're <laughs> talking international football here. Think, uh, so, so for me, the reason why I mean, obviously it's my first, uh, but I also got a cassette. So I got a, a video VHS of the, the tournament. So I kept on reliving it, and I think you know that was maybe a kind of first for the, those kind of tournaments. And also the kind of memorabilia. I've, I've got pictures. Mm. That I, I'll go through once in a blue moon of me as a kid, and you'll see me wearing. An Italian ninety t-shirt, just a kind of there the 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 wee stature child. There was um, the Coca Cola ball. There was yo yos at the time. Remember yo yos were yeah. everybody's favourite toy. There would be the Italian, and so it was just everything. Just especially for kids our age, everything was just ingrained and linked in that summer to the World Cup. Yeah, it was on TV. Ness and Dorma was just. Something that just went through every mm. household in Britain that that summer. Yeah. Um and then you've got Gaza crying, you've got Rykard spitting in father's hair, you've got um Klinsman diving about and 
you've got Mila dancing, you've got Mila, he gives her the ball to, to uh, take her off him in half an hour. There's lots of good subplots. So there was just lots of really good elements to it. Yeah. Scalacci celebrating a bit like Rossi did in it too. Stuff, where is it, it just stays in your head when you're that age. And 2010, you know, we're, we're doing these retro things. There's never going to be, I don't think, a retro look back at 2000 and uh, World Cup 2010. It's just, and I, I don't even know exactly why in terms of it should have been, you know, it should have been a celebration because it was in South Africa and there was this, that, the next thing. But in Spain, were the, well, the best team in the world and Spain that's, won the I, World Cup. That's the and, thing, that, that Spanish team between 2008 and 2012, the two Euros that they won and the World Cup in between is one of the best footballing teams I've ever seen. And yet the World Cup that they won is instantly forgettable. Yeah, it's crazy. It shouldn't be that it, way. And it's, you know, there's various reasons for it. The, the I mean, the Vuvuzela's just done my nut in. There was the, the the balls were terrible. I remember, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the actual footballs. Whereas, was it, oh, Italian, was it tri, the, the Tristar or the, the Maestro, the balls? The, mm. I can't remember the exact name of them, but I can still remember in my head the pattern of them and all the rest of it. That was a unique ball. I remember getting it um, after the World Cup. Do you remember and, the Sabuto goal nets as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's okay. the thing. Everything exactly. was connected. Yeah. Everything was connected in that World Cup. You know, you, you the graphics just... as well on the telly. Like, like the wee dots and stuff. I remember them. Aye. Yeah, I loved yeah. them. Well, Channel 4 kept them, didn't they? Yeah, aye. Channel yeah. 4 used them for years afterwards. Mm-hmm. That, that, that all started at Italia 90. And it was and think, that's iconic. And for, for us, because we always look at, you know, We've already discussed it how you know England big themselves up and it's this, that, and the next thing. And we always have to get that bloody side of things because we're linked to them, even though many of us don't want to be quite as linked as what we actually are. Mm-hmm. But it actually worked in our favour a wee bit because England fans behaved themselves mm-hmm. and it became a festival. Of football, which then Channel Four picked up upon, that's why they then picked up the Italian league because Sky was coming in to do the Premier League, and they thought, well, we'll jump on that. So it actually, kind of worked in our favour because then we would get football Italia on, yeah. on Saturday morning, and then a live game on Sunday, and it's all because England fans actually behaved themselves, and the English then thought, oh, this is a good thing to actually shine our light on. So it's one of the few times that England actually kind of rose to the occasion because in every tournament after this, apart from the last one, they would get to a certain stage and then we'd have something to laugh at them about because they'd failed again. This one, they got all the way to the semi-final. This was the first time they'd reached the semi-final and it hadn't been in England. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't yeah. if it wasn't for shooting, it was probably a bit like the last Euros where you got to go to look at squad. They're all kind of decent enough guys. Um I- I wouldn't that, really that, want to go out for a drink with Terry Butcher like that would be a bit mental, but apart from that, Gascoigne wasn't as flawed as what he became later. Yeah. He was the kind of young teenager that you kind of looked upon and thought... Yeah, he, he, he was a young upcoming player that you know, when he went on he to be yeah. bonkers. Like you but say, Terry, Terry Butcher. I didn't like Terry Butcher because he played for Rangers, but I probably respect Terry Butcher more now than I did then. 
Mm-hmm. And they all, I, there was, there's always that iconic image with, like, with the bandage and stuff on as well, obviously. Right? Right. Again, it's, it's, helped by, it's helped by the manager, who I think Bobby... Uh, Everybody respects Bobby Robson. Bobby Robson, well, apart from the English press before the World Cup, they well, tried yeah, to sabotage yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's very true. <laughs> um, but, even even Gary Lineker, Gary Lineker was their iconic striker. My dad hates Gary Lineker, <laughs> but that's because he scored a hat-trick against Poland, so of course he hates Gary Lineker. I like Gary Lineker. I still like Gary Lineker. I think he's a terrific presenter on Match Today and all the BBC coverage. And but even back then, he's a good striker. He was famously never getting booked for anything. Did die for two penalties, though. Well. <laughs> 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 That's actually quite funny because he's actually dragging himself trying to get it. It's disgusting. <laughs> Well, it's because um, you, you don't know, so it's only until you find out afterwards that you're looking at yeah. what you actually try to do here. I don't understand why you thought that was the best. Yeah, I never had that <laughs> moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, you know, we always talk about you know the t- the TV intros that became the thing after um, from Italian ninety because of Pavarotti. But ITV's version was actually a decent effort. It just wasn't Pavarotti. You know, that was just. Yeah. Yeah, something that just in out the water. Yeah, and they've never come close to an Essendon Dorma since. No, no. The, the, the closest was probably USA 94. Uh, I would say France 98 was the closer. Because France know. from BBC, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fra- France 98. Yeah, well, that's what I could remember. I could, I could remember. As a two was terrific as well. USA 94 was that ridiculous Gloryland thing. But was that, was it ITV that had... Uh, ITV had Gloryland. Yeah, BBC we had, had, had we um, just we just want to be in America, which was you awesome. Want to be in America. Oh, I, 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 we don't it like was cheesy, it this. was cheesy, but uh, I, I love that, Jerry. That, 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 like that made me that, that, that World Cup, that made me that World Cup for me, I can still remember it. But this is the podcast I get belted for, because I always I always talk about like Doadier being great for as a Scotland fan. Nobody else in the podcast likes Doadier. It's not my favourite Chris, to be honest, so I can't that Life would be dull if we agreed on absolutely everything. So it's nice that we all have um, different things to our personality. So yeah, we'll we'll round off uh, very soon. But just um, su- summarise very quickly both um, what Italian ninety means to you. It's my first tournament. I mean, that's ultimately you always remember your first time. So <laughs> this is that for me. And what what I love about this now is. The World Cup that's going on right now, my son is almost exactly the same age I was when Italia 90 happened, so I kind of hope Qatar 2022 is for him what Italia 90 is for me. And then he's got a generation of depression because Scotland never get there anymore. But it's wasted, wasted Scotland here, and it's hard it's to think that Sweden win is our last win at a World Cup as well. Oh, yeah, that's David Thanks for that. That's crazy. Which is scary. But yeah, there's some, like, as Scott pointed out, there's some great moments in this. We listed them off already. And I will always look back for on Italian 90, even if the final was grim. Yeah. But that's the thing. I've talked about the wee kind of foam figure that I've got behind me. I got that in Italy this summer in a vintage shop in Florence. It cost me it cost me more than it probably should have. Plus that Italian strip with Banjo and uh, with the 15 that Banjo played in. And it's like it's because it brings back such a happy memory for me because that was my first World Cup and it was, you know, you had sublime goals, you had great talking points, you had a shite final, but that's neither here nor there. It didn't actually 
meaning it was a rubbish tournament. And even though you get these stats now and you say, oh, but it was a low-scored tournament and it was this, that, and the next thing, it just didn't feel like it at the time. You know, I never felt, oh, that, apart from the final, I thought everything else, I didn't feel bored by the, the games that I saw, the goals that were going in or anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think as well as a generational thing, then, because there was more coverage in 1990 there was in previous tournaments that this probably gets rammed down now that even younger people appreciate that um, Italian 90 was something special and um, yeah thanks again guys um, for your time and we will play out with only one man Mr Luciano Pavarotti Shut up.